Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. And we are back. Steve Green here from Make the Grade, and it, today is the Make the Grade podcast day. Yay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And listen, today's guest day. What happens when I have a guest? That's right. We get excited here. Love having guests, and not just any guests. I got a guest from the, uh, I was going to say the Sunshine State. It's not Sunshine State. What's California? What's the state? The Golden State or something? Yes. Golden State. There we go. Golden State. Yes, yes, yes. So we got it all the way from California. Those of you who know me, I am on the East Coast, Philadelphia. I got somebody on the West Coast, 3,000 miles, whatever away. But by the miracle of technology, she is right here with me in the studio. It is incredible. And you're going to love to hear what she has to say. So welcome, Lorraine. How are you? Oh, I'm good. And I love your intro. It's a no, great I, way to it, start It gets even podcast. better. It gets even better. <laughs> so here's the thing. What's the Make Theory Podcast all about, folks? And if you don't know the answer to this, you haven't been paying attention the last two years, it is about actions. It's about taking action. Parents, I want to give you actions you can do to help with your kids, get them through school, all things academic. Entrepreneurs, your baby is your business. Mm. So these are actions you can take to nurture that, nurture your baby, nurture your business. My guest is Lorraine Siegel, Master of Arts, MA. Very good. She's a conflict management and communication consultant. I love it. Coach and trainer. Through her business, which is called Conflict Remedy, she works with leaders and others at corporations and nonprofits, as well as colleges, government agencies to promote harmonious and productive workplaces. Yes. Sounds so nice. It's the word harmonious. It just, it's a, what do they call it? Onomatopoeia is not a, a word that sounds <laughs> like it is. Anyway, uh, she is a professor at Sonoma State University, right in wine country, one of my favorite places in California. And she is the curriculum designer and lead teacher for the Contact Management Professional Development Certificate Program. She was recently named one of the top 30 conflict resolution experts to follow on LinkedIn. Congratulations. <laughs> she is also the contributing author to the book, Stand Up, Speak Out Against Workplace Bullying. And she's a featured blogger at Mediate.com. So many, a lot of uh, things on your resume here. And if you want to get a hold of Lorraine, and we'll get into this more, conflictremedy.com. So Lorraine, officially, my notes here, welcome to the Make Three podcast. I really appreciate you taking time on, taking out of your busy schedule. You got a lot going on in your resume, and you have some uh, really some really cool things. The reason I thought it'd be good to have you come on is conflict resolution is kind of a, I don't want to say a new thing, but to formalize it you know, a sort of a discipline, like an academic discipline. We used to call it just go get along, <laughs> figure it out. And I got kids, you guys are fighting, go figure it out. <laughs> now they've turned it into an actual sort of science-ish sort of thing. So let's do this. Can you start out by just defining in your, at least in your vo vocabulary, what conflict resolution means and, and why people should, should learn to study it? Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, and by the way, I'm, welcome and thank you again. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm going to reverse your questions because one of the reasons conflict management as a field has actually been around for quite a while, but it was kind of a specialist thing that people didn't know that much about. 
And not that long ago, I went on the big uh, job search um, website, Indeed, and just signed up just in case someone needed a conflict consultant. I thought, why not? So they kept pushing out jobs to me, and none of them were suitable for me. But it was amazing, the array of the kinds of jobs and titles people had were in the job description of what they were looking for. They were asking people to have conflict resolution or conflict management skills. It was everything from executive chef to team lead in a group home, to lead nurse, to of course, HR and managers, et cetera. And it just kind of inspired me all over with my certificate program because so many places of work are asking for these skills now. They're recognizing that they're valuable and you can prove you have them with a certificate. So that's kind of the why. Now, what conflict, it, it used to be called more conflict resolution and now it's more called conflict management or conflict engagement. And conflict is, you know this, but it's when people don't agree or they don't get along or they misunderstand each other. And there's a lot of myths and myth misunderstandings about what it is and what it means. Um, and conflict is a normal part of human interactions. And when I say that to students and clients, they take a deep breath just with that one piece of information. Well, but, but it's just a fact of life, right? You're never going to exactly. get along 100% with every single person you ever meet. No, you right? won't. And of course, there's a lot of techniques you can learn and ways of looking at things that help you get along more of the time with more of the people. Mm. Okay, so many places we could go here. Um, let's talk about this academically for a second. So you're running a certificate program. It's a graduate level thing. So this is higher level stuff. This isn't, um, you know, these people presumably are going to go out and do this professionally, right? Uh, actually, no. This is a, a, a certificate program for working professionals. Ah, okay. So my students tend to be CEOs, managers, um, HR professionals, sometimes professors or teachers, sometimes people who are have their own businesses, sometimes people who are coaches. So, or so their objective might be more to keep harmony in their workplace because that could create better productivity happy workers and more productive workers. Um, is, is, is there any secret sauce? I mean, is it just a matter of talking and understanding each other or is it, I mean, or is it more of a science? I mean, obviously there's more to it than that, or it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be something you'd have to aspire to, but is, is there, is there something you could kind of tell the parents who might be listening? Like what's the first thing you want to do? I mean, I, I always learned cause I was, I had a, I have a psychology degree and for my graduate work, and I always thought when you get into a bad situation, the first thing you got to do is diffuse it. Mm -hmm. The first thing you got to do is get everybody to level down a little bit. Like, hey, you're angry, you're angry. If it's a marital situation or whatever, let's just, let's get to a point where we can talk at a level we're going to listen to each other, right? And we didn't call it conflict or exclusion. We called it like, don't kill each other <laughs> um, <laughs> or don't hurt each other. Um, but, but, but is there, is there, you know, let's say, okay, let me, let me see if I can paint a picture here. I'm a parent and my kid don't want, doesn't want to do their homework. And it's dinner. We say, hey, you know, hey, look, listen, little Lorraine, you're going to go after dinner and go to your homework, right? No, mom. I don't want to do it. Well, just what you got to do. Why do I have to do it? I'm the parent. I'm telling you to do it. And all of a sudden, the escalates are screwing each other, right? Yeah. 
how do you, what do you do? How do you intervene? Is that putting well, you on the spot here? Yeah, a little bit, but... No, no, that's fine. Um, the first thing I want to say is what you call the magic sauce. I call the magic wand. Oh, and no, I okay. let people I like know it. right away that I don't have one. And there oh, is one because okay. people often, what they want is, can you tell me the magic words to say that mm. are going to make this person do what I want them to? And there, there aren't any. Um, but, um, and I actually prefer, the reason I don't do mediation that much is because I much prefer to coach people and train them before it's es escalated to that point of, you got to do this, I won't. And, right, and right. Um, but you can back down, as you said, from that. And one of the things, okay, here's two things that I always tell people. One is that even with kids, and I mostly do workplace stuff, um, 90% of conflict is in here. So a lot of the work is inner. And sometimes my students or my clients are impatient with that, but I want to just say the right phrase. Or I even had a county government say this to me, just tell us the five steps to always follow in a conflict and everything will be okay. And it doesn't work yeah, that way. Right. It's a lot exactly. too many moving parts. Yes. Yeah, but the first thing to do if you're feeling that I'm going to make them, I want them to make them do, is to take a breath. Yeah, De-escalate, we used to call it. Yeah, inside, you know, of breathe. I, I even have right? people, I'm breathing in peace. I'm breathing out peace. You do right. that a few times, even if they don't, you know, you don't necessarily have to say it out loud. It helps you change um, that energy. And then I think the next thing to understand is, you know, force of will is not a good long-term strategy, whether it's with kids or grownups or direct reports or managers, it doesn't work long-term. When people don't wanna do what you do, either it's because they're getting triggered by something you say, so they're reacting without thinking, or they have a very different narrative going than you do. So uh, I, the concept of story is essential to the work I do around conflict. You know, mediators talk about my story, your story, the third story, but they've discovered that people actually don't remember what happens in a situation. Neurobiologically, what people encode and remember is the story they tell themselves about what happened. Hmm. So just even taking the kid and the adult, you know, it seems so logical, go do your homework. So the adult's thinking, why is this kid not doing what I say? They need to do their homework. I'm looking out for their best interest and I'm the adult. And not that. So they've got a narrative going like that. And the, and the, um, the young person, might, the, the child uh, might have a very different narrative. They never let me do it in my own time. They're always jumping on me. They don't trust me. They don't, you know, they've got this. The, so you've got these two stories that are like, you know, they're going like Godzilla this, yeah. and King yeah. Kong or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not aligned. That's for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And so um, what, what I often, the, the best time to talk about this, like homework, is not at that moment where you're wanting them to go do their homework. It's when it isn't happening. And you can mm -hmm. sit down and say, look, we both know you need to do the homework for school for this. And the way we're going about talking about this isn't working. You know, you're getting mad at me. I'm getting mad at you. How can we do this differently? So mm -hmm. you invite them to be an ally of 
that you're not giving up your goal. And it's actually probably a shared goal on some level, maybe. <laughs> uh, but you're inviting them to co-problem solve with you when, when things are so You're calm. making them sort of an equal in the decision-making process. And so you're empowering them a little bit and giving them a say, even though you kind of want to do it. One of the things you said, I want to just repeat it. I'm not even sure if you know you said it because, <laughs> no, I'm sure you know you said it. But I mean, you can sort of win the battle, but lose the war, right? When you exactly. try to enclose your will. I'm not, I don't remember the exact way you said it, but it was really good. So it's like, hey, I want this. I want this. I want this. I need to be right. And you might win short term, but you're not going to win long term because you're going to lose the person because there's so many levels we work on. Oh, okay. Let me ask you a question. So you have this conflict resolution program. Mm -hmm. That's a no mistake. And it, what's the outcome? What do you want the people who graduate through this to be able to do? What, what's their kind of what's, what skill set should they have? Yeah, well, uh, the, the program is actually unique. I don't know anyone who includes all the topics that I include. Hmm. And I tell them at the beginning that I have a very simple goal, which is to change their hearts, minds, and behavior. <laughs> and I've managed to dog here. <laughs> right. And what I'm doing is I'm I'm actually giving them different lenses every week that they can and tools so they can have different ways of looking at a conflict and what might be going on and feel differently about it, feel differently about themselves and behave differently. So the outcome is for them to be what we call conflict competent at the end. And let, I'll give you an example and then I can talk about the specifics. But one of my students who was a, um, a manager of a department, she paid for the class herself. And before the 12 week program was over, her supervisor said that she was going to reimburse her for the program because my student's behavior and the way she was managing conflict and navigating management responsibilities had shifted so much and it had rippled out into her whole department and her supervisor saw the value of these added skills that she was bringing. It was the best compliment I wow. ever got. So the results were so compelling. Yes. And had such a broad impact. Wow. Well, so, but, but sometimes little things become medium things, become big things, but you got to start somewhere, right? Yes. And I, you know, in 12 weeks, I can't make people experts, um, but I can build on their skills. And it, a lot of it is about, well, the first week I call conflict 101. And we talk about what's conflict, what are the myths, the misunderstandings about conflict. And then I have them look at who they are in conflict. You know, do mm -hmm. they want to avoid conflict? Do they want to confront people? Are they trying to placate? What's their, so they start thinking about their own uh, uh, fallback position with conflict. And then what the other person's fallback position might be. You know, if one person's a confronter and one's an avoider, they could be chasing themselves all over the place. Um, and then the second week is about difficult conversations. If you have to talk about a difficult topic, how do you do it? Yeah, and that, how that's do you, an important thing to get into. So right, I'm, and I'm well, just one more thing. Can go I ahead, add? Go and ahead, go ahead. Some of it is, is that the right approach to have a conversation or is it better to do internal work and just approach them differently? Hmm. Okay, so many things I want to get to here. But first, <laughs> this is the Make the Great podcast. 
Lorraine Siegel, our guest, and a wealth of information. So many levels we could we could get into here. This is always about taking action and getting people in motion. So let me ask you a couple of things. Um, wh- what do you think people need to understand about conflict? I mean, it's a it's a fact of life. We we we've brought that up. Um, it is it's not just something to run away from, right? Because if you run away from it, it's still always going to be there. So at some point, it needs to be dealt with, uh, whether it's subtly or right, you know, just bang. Um, but it, why do you think people avoid it so much? Because it's just uncomfortable? Yeah, well, I think um, people feel uncomfortable. They don't know what to say or how to deal with it. It can be scary. Um, there, you know, I always say that um, I wish everyone in elementary school got a class on the ABCs of conflict. And then there was a, re- a high school graduation requirement and a college graduation requirement on managing conflict. And people don't know how. So the only models they have are what they saw in their families or what they see a supervisor do. And they know it's not enough and they know it's not enough. And mm. they're scared. You know, an important thing, let's talk about feedback, right? So let, let's go in the workplace. I'm a manager. I'm a boss. I have an employee. An employee just isn't doing the job as well as they need to, right? Which is, which is a legit concern. Mm-hmm. A lot of ways you could approach that, right? Hey, you stink. You're out of here. <laughs> or, hey, you know what? It looks like you need a little help with this. Is there somebody we can help you get you? So let, let's talk about that a little bit. How, how is it? What is your recommendation? I'll make sure I ask this question the way I want. What's the best way to give people feedback? whether it's positive or negative criticism, that would be effective. What what do you recommend there? Because that's a form of conflict resolution. It's really sort of... It's one of the the weeks in my program as I'm receiving feedback. So it's one twelfth of your program. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Roughly. Um, Okay. So, uh, and I'm just... You know, giving you some, I can only give you some no, of the basics. I, I, we, we, have, we have 31 minutes here to cover 12 minutes. Okay, but, uh, and we're more. great. All right. Go ahead. So the first thing is a lot of people don't understand what feedback is. And um, uh, there's hmm. three, three basic kinds of information. I mean, different experts say different things, but there's, um, you know, praise and affirmation. There's mentoring or coaching. And then there's the kind of uh, feedback that's more you know, evaluative. And so the, some of the problems with feedback start right away if someone wants mentoring and the other person only wants to give evaluation um, mm-hmm. or something like that. So sorting out what feedback you're giving, what you know, inside yourself, what you're expecting, that can be helpful. Then a lot of people don't know how to give feedback. So they can be very vague and general. They have a gut feeling about something, but they don't always know how to get specific. And it can get intertwined with bias. You know, they approach a woman differently than a man or a person of color different than a white person in terms of the feedback they give or how they do it. Mm. So when I'm, when I'm coaching managers or HR people who need to give feedback, the most first I let them vent about whatever their feeling was, if this person was disrespectful or they, they've tried and tried to talk to them and they're so frustrated first they need to vent. And then I ask them to get really specific. Okay. They're not doing a good job. 
what is it, what behavior? So for example, I had someone who had a right evaluation say, they're not respectful. Okay, what does that mean? What is it they're doing or not doing that's making you feel like they're disrespectful? Or they're just not doing a good job. Well, that doesn't, what does that mean? What specific skills or projects or reports are they not doing a good enough job in? And kind of get clear about what it is that you're seeing and what's the most important gaps that are really there. And then you, you are honest with them. If there are good things you can say, you say those. Um, if there's deficiencies, you can say, this is something you need to do better. How can I help you? Do you need an extra training? Do you need more accountability? Do you, you know? And, and again, just as I said with the child and the homework, you're co-creating. You're being their ally in this. It doesn't mean you can't fire them, but what you're doing is trying to get at what's really missing and how to address it. And the last piece of this also is I coach people who are receiving feedback. And I give them an exercise about if you get this kind of vague or just negative feedback, how can you turn it around and make it useful? So then you can be the one to ask those questions. Okay, when you say I don't have what it takes, what is it you're seeing is missing? And then you don't have to just, you have to deal with your own emotional reactions first, but then you can actually get feedback that would help you. Well, okay. Let me ask you a question. If you get a person, I think everything you're saying makes complete sense. It would seem to me it would work much better if both people had the background, right? Like if you were, let's say, let's say I'm managing 10 people or whatever, mm -hmm. and I've been, I'm a certified conflict uh, resolution, whatever, administrator, but the 10 people I have to manage are not, right? And I'm sure this happened. This is common. It's got to be common, right? So I've got a, a toolbox of techniques that, that you taught or I picked up just on experience or however, and I'm trying to put them in place, but the other people don't really know how to do the same thing. Um, which, which probably, so you also got to sort of educate them a little bit, right? Like, Hey, I'm trying to help you here. Um, and I think let's talk about one other element, which is time, but I don't think there's any expectation in any human interaction that everything is going to get solved in five seconds beautifully. Right. It's going to take some amount of time and some of these things are going to happen incrementally. So if you and I have a conflict, maybe we, have, maybe we're going to need four or five or whatever, conversations to, to get it to a point where it's unconflicted. Is there an official term when there's no more conflict? <laughs> harmony. <laughs> harmony. Okay. There we go. So we're on a continuum conflicts over here. Harmony's over here and we're somewhere in between. So it's, it's, it's not likely that if I have a, a, a if there's some uh, disharmony with myself and somebody else, that in one brief conversation, it's going to be completely fixed for lack of a better phrase. So maybe, maybe some people don't have the patience for that either. You know, hey, look, we're going to need to get back on this and I need you to think about this and try it. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's shift gears a little bit. You have a business called Conflict Remedy, right? Mm -hmm. So that's your private uh, concern. Um, who are your ideal people? Who do you want to work with? And, and how do you help them? Is it the same yeah. thing you're doing in the class, but privately? Yeah, it's, it's similar. I, 
I just want to say this is something with my clients and my students. You, you ask, what if the other people don't? Yeah, yeah I didn't really skills. change that question. My bad. <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. It's just a, it's just something that I talk about a lot, which is what I say. You're here. You're in the class, or you're working with me. I'm coaching you, so you already know more than they do. And with greater knowledge comes greater responsibility. So you have to step up and do more than fifty percent at first. And one of the things I talk about specifically is listening first. You say, but they're the ones who don't, and they should have done it, and they had on and on. No, but you know more than they do. So you need to listen first. You need to understand how they're seeing things. Doesn't mean you have to agree. Doesn't mean you have to do what they want. But listening is, is crucial. So um, when, when I work with, I, I work in my private business, which overlaps because what I do is training and coaching and consulting. So the training is basically the same, you know, of explaining these skills, explaining how to think about it, helping mm -hmm. them be introspective, helping them practice practical skills. Um, with the coaching, for example, I have been called in a number of times, both to nonprofits and to corporations to do what I call putting out fires. Two valuable people in the company are, you know, in some kind of firefight that is not stopping. And so they'll call me in because they don't want to lose either one of them if they can, and they'll ask me to help them. And they think they want a mediation. And I will never do a mediation because to sit in a room, even if it's virtual, with two very angry people, all my energy just goes into keeping them, their hands off each other's throats. <laughs> and so what I do is coach them separately. And when I coach them separately, the first thing I do is I, I listen a ton because everyone's upset. And they feel like they've somehow been mistreated and they're mad and they feel like the other people aren't doing what they should. And there's all these shoulds and anger and feeling disrespected all in a ball. So I listen to them a lot and validate how frustrating it is. And then I ever so gently start asking, how do you think the other, if the other person were talking about this, what would they say? How do they see it? Um, so they start kind of feeling like I'm an ally. They start opening up a different way of looking at what might be going on. And it's amazing. I, I, I have like a 90% success rate when I get to do that with people and they have a little bit of willingness to look at their, um, at their share. And I can give you a bunch of examples if you want. Well, what you're doing clearly has some elements that are at least similar to therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're not um, representing yourself as a therapist, but some of the techniques you're using, a therapist might use. Yes. Right? I, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's a legal probably designation, but we're not going to get into that because I have to do a lot of the same things as what I do. I mean, I, my, some of my trainings and, you know, I did clinical rotations and stuff. There was a technique or to we call it a projection mm -hmm. where you say the same thing, you know, pretend you were the other person. Do you think they would be angry at you? Well, I didn't really think of it that way. Well, of course <laughs> you didn't think of it that way because nobody does. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, but, but really what you're doing to a degree and maybe to a big degree is, is a, a, a really a therapeutic exploration of where people are compared to where the other person is and then trying to bring it together. What do you do when it's bigger than two people? 
let me ask you this and we're going to yeah. wrap up shortly, but so much we could talk about, but I want to narrow it into two things. Let, let's say you got, you talk about two people. That's not so bad, right? Person A, let's get you together. Person B, let's get you together. Let's feel about each other. Okay. Now you're loving each other. It's great. What if it's a whole team of people? What if it's like eight or 10 people can't get along? Is that, is that, does that work in your model? That that's also, that's where I like to start with training. Okay. Um, well, okay. Some of it's training. So everybody has basic skills and vocabulary, but I also talk in organizations. There's, in my opinion, my experience, there's three ways conflict shows up. One is interpersonal conflict. One is bullying, which can look like conflict, but is actually a very different process. And the third is structural problems. So if the lines of authority uh, and responsibility are unclear or messed up, um, that in itself can create conflict. And if the culture of the company involves a lot of gossip and backstabbing, et cetera, that also creates conflict that's way beyond one individual. So then you have to look at systems of what needs to change and how can people buy into those changes so that you can make it a better place to be. Hmm. So what you're basically saying is sometimes it's more than just the individuals. It might be the whole, Absolutely. The whole place. Absolutely. You know, I got into this field um, because I was a tenured professor and department chair at a community college that was one of the most dysfunctional, toxic places you can ever imagine. I mean, my students mm. were great. I had some leadership opportunities there. And I still get phone calls. I've been away from there quite a while from people who are going through what I went through there. This, this college was so determined to be dysfunctional and so toxic that even though me, most of the people I knew there have retired, they keep recreating it. Oh, it's, so it's, it's just far. It they clone itself. themselves. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. We're not going to mention any names here. but uh, No, no names. But, but, but people stay in that because they need a job sometimes. They don't want right. to lose their income. You know, you, you get trapped into the things like that. Um. Yeah, bullying is something I do want to get into. I, I think I would like to invite you back into a whole nother segment on, on the idea of bullying, because bullying is a big thing in schools. It gets yes. talked about a lot. There's cyberbullying. There's in-person bullying. There's, you know, sort of uh, the click idea. I mean, like schools in the, since Greece have had yes. clicks, right? There's the jocks and there's the <laughs> oh, theater yeah. people. And, and in the uh, workplace. What was that dumb movie small. with the basketball team? Uh, bah, 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 bah. God, my kids watched like 1,800 times. I can't remember any of it. Oh, oh my God. I'll think of it. And it's what happens when you, when you get turned 30. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the name? If I asked my kid, I'll remember. Um, Zach Efron, the, the, the dumb movie. Um, there was a, like, it was about basically people being themselves, but in an environment where it wasn't necessarily supportive to be yourself. Mm-hmm. So like the jock kid decides to go out for the musical musical. Um, Home, not home music. High school musical. High school musical. One? Thank you. Yeah. I think I blocked it out of my mind because I listened to the <laughs> dumb soundtrack 14 million times. Right. So the scenario is the jock, the stereotypical jock, decides to go out for the musical because he actually deep down wants to do it. If he enjoys it, but all his jock friends thinks, what are you doing this for? And the musical people are skeptical because why is the jock in the musical? And then you got the... But, but that, that's, that's not that far-fetched in, in the real-life oh, no. situation. And, and it, it, in high schools and the middle schools, it, it's famously, you know, the jock scene and this scene. And then, but it also, people don't talk about it in the corporate world. 
right? So you kind of have this hierarchy, like the salespeople are kind of in their own little world and the support people and the admin people and the HR people, and they all have their own little culture within the cultures. And in big corporations, it, you know, sometimes people don't get along, you know, like, oh, the salespeople, they, they don't work hard. I don't, I'm just throwing stuff out. So it's interesting. So bullying can take a lot of forms. Bullying doesn't necessarily mean like a physical thing. It can, it's no. mental aspects. It, it's a verbal it's verbal, emotional, physical. Right. There's a lot of pieces to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I got to take a deep breath for a second. <laughs> Not because we're having any conflict with me. No, just, I just, there's just so much going on here. I have to just reset a little bit. I mean, I'm trying to host this in a professional way. So listen, Lorraine Siegel, incredible amount of information here. Clearly you've got some excellent information for people. My hope is people listening that make the great podcast here is you're getting some actions here. So if you're in a, in a conflict situation, you got some ideas in, in 30, whatever minutes, you're not going to solve the problem of how to do it. You could reach out. Maybe Dwayne, how do people get a hold of you? Do you want people reaching out to you? Sure. Um, so how well, would they do my that? website is uh, conflictremedy.com. Okay, conflict I'm also on LinkedIn, um, mm-hmm. Lorraine Siegel. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm happy to have people reach out. And just for that, since you did mention, you know, I know a big uh, one of your focuses is about students. There's an older book, but it's beautiful. Um, it's called How to Talk So Teens Will Listen and mm. Listen So Teens Will I, I Talk. I actually know that book. It's not that old. Anyway, it's one of the best <laughs> books I've ever read. Do you remember who wrote uh, it? you remember I, who the author is? I don't remember their names. I, I, I have it on my know it too. I'm blanking on it. This is like high school musical. I know I should know the answer to this. That yeah, book isn't that old. We're dating ourselves here. Well, it's not last year. I mean, no, it's, no, a, no. You this, know, it it's been around. It was probably for, before Harry Potter too. But uh, yeah, but it's a beautiful book. It's still I one of the best book. ones I've read. I think that actually that book when I was in graduate school was, was a required reading. Yes. And I actually wrote a blog. I write a blog uh, um, and I wrote a blog post about how you could apply that to the workplace because mm. the wisdom of it is just do you, uh, do you, beautiful. Speaking of dating ourselves, do you remember I'm okay, you're okay? Remember that Sure. Part? Yeah, that was one of the I don't want to say it was a conflict revolution manual, but it kind of was in the in, it, it was it didn't use any of the same terminology and 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 verbiage that you're using. But that was, you know, it really was a pop psych. It was a, it was like psychology for non-psychology people. Yeah. And it was kind of well, a, 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 an offshoot <laughs> of the 60s. You know, everybody kind of doing the right. Thing. I remember vaguely. Yeah. Yes. And um, <laughs> it was but it was one of the first like normally books about psychology don't become bestsellers. Right. Right. Like you, yeah, if you're a psychologist, you should write a book. You're lucky if two people buy it, <laughs> your mom and your, you know, and your wife yes. or your husband. Right. I'm, I'm joking. Like psychologists write books. It's, it's great. But, um, you know, this was one of the first books that was kind of written sort of as a science book ish clinically, at least that became a bestseller. People, yeah. people were buying it and well, using it and talking about it. And yeah, you know, you know, Stephen, you, you said about that. Some of the things I do are, are like what a therapist would do. And I had to kind of grapple with that because people would ask me, are you a therapist? How is this different from therapy? And mm-hmm. I heard this quote, I can't remember who said it, but I just loved it. They said, therapy has claimed a big territory, but they don't own it. Mm. <laughs> so a lot of us can be healers 
you know, do things that are therapeutic, but not take the perspective well, or right, have the particular course. training of. And I wasn't therapy. knocking therapists. I mean, they do. Oh, no, you know, it's and, just and a right different approach. Therapy is a very, very important thing. And I've, I've been in that space a little bit. Oh, boy, there's a joke about therapists. It's, it's, it can be good. People say it about tutors, whatever. The joke is. The per, and and the, the, the setting is the guy's laying on the couch, like with the Freudian uh, therapy, right? He's laying on the couch and the guy's there with the pipe and because uh, doctor, I got to ask you a question. When am I going to get better? I've been coming to you for 25 years. I'm sitting here. I'm spilling my heart out to you. Uh, when am I going to get better? And the therapist, tutor, you name the, name the profession says, oh, that's easy. You get better when you can't afford to pay me anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but, but it's not really a money joke. The point yeah. of the joke really is people have to ultimately work on themselves. Sure. And until you're ready to work on yourself and whatever motivates you to do that, you're never really going to change. Yeah. You and have that, to be, you have, you have to, to be, be willing, willing to do that. To right. So you could, you could sit there and go to therapy for 400 years. Yeah. But if you're not willing to apply it and do some, take some action with some of the things that you're working with, it's just going to come back, come back, come back, come back. Yeah. So. And there are therapists who do this, but I know one of the things I do in my conflict coaching, I, I finally came up for a, a way to talk about what I did because I did my training didn't exactly fit my style in mm -hmm. conflict coaching. I finally was able to talk about it and I wrote a blog post and I got, about it called Love and Tough Love in Conflict mm -hmm. Coaching. So I love my clients to pieces, but I also kick their butts, you know. And really point out the ways they need to change. And, um, and well, you sometimes need to, the change you, happens faster. That well, sometimes way. you're doing a disservice by not keeping them exactly. accountable. I would use the word accountability as opposed mm -hmm. to kicking their butt. But, <laughs> but it's the same kind of, it's this accomplishing the same thing. Lorraine Siegel, conflictremedy.com. Find her on LinkedIn. She is a wealth of information in a field that I think is very important and maybe under, I don't say underappreciated, but probably underutilized. The goal here is not necessarily that everybody in the world loves each other, but to create a more productive workplace, family place, school place, you name it. That's our goal. Do you have any closing, anything else you want to talk about? Just uh, for you know, anything being uh, personal level, you like horses, I mean, your favorite dessert. <laughs> I always well, like to you know, give a little human interest here. I, I don't know, <laughs> best vacation you ever had or something you want to just throw out there. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for for inviting me here. It was my pleasure having um, you on. Yeah, it's it's really it's just been fun. And um, yeah, and I'll just mention maybe you want to share with people another time. As I said, I don't specialize in family work, but I did contribute to a book on family conflict during the pandemic that's coming out soon. And my little piece is called um, is Revertigo Creating Conflict? And Revertigo comes from a sitcom and it's when you're around certain people and you revert back to being 15 or <laughs> 12 and how that impacts conflict. So it's kind of a fun one. Say the name of the book again. It's called Family Conflict um, During a Pandemic. Michael Lang is one of the editors and I did put it in yeah. the uh, chat for you yeah and it might be well, i will put that interest. in the show notes i think everybody should rush out and get that immediately but uh okay so that is it that is it i'm hoping to get you back we can talk about all, a number i'd like to get address the bullying piece uh, but I'm i think that's good I, I, I think we'd be under uh i don't know what word to use we, we would not be doing it justice to try to do it in two or three minutes and i wanted to, i think so much value you brought today 
<sighs> okay. So Steve Green, this is the Make the Grade podcast. It's about actions. Parents, you can take to help your kids. Entrepreneurs, you can take in your workplace or in your business, bringing it all together. Lorraine Siegel, thank you again. Let's see what the audience thought. <laughs> Big thumbs up. We've got a studio. Socially distanced, two, three hundred people here. They're all six feet apart, maybe seven feet apart. Let me get a tape measure out. We couldn't find the tape measure today. But uh, yeah, I got the lawn people outside mowing the lawn. There's all kinds of stuff going on today. Let me, uh, let me thank, hopefully everybody come back. Listen, seriously, listeners, uh, I like to have fun here, but this really is a serious message. And, and I think Lorraine's going to agree with me. I don't put words in her mouth, but better to nip these things in the bud and get a hold of them when they're small and manageable than to try to deal with them when they're big, really almost uh, unaddressable problems, right? And yes. she's nodding her head. Those of you who can't see her nodding, but I can see her <laughs> But it's yes. really true. So don't be afraid. Intractable. You want to get to them before they're intractable see? conflicts. See, when, yeah. you get a, when you get a doc and a, a graduate degree, you got to use big terms. <laughs> intractable. Yeah. It's good. No, but it's true, though. That is that is usually the term. Yeah, or, you know, people just won't back down. Stubbornness comes in. You, you, you dig in. You want to hold your position. So don't be afraid to address these things, but learn the techniques to do them. Get people to be allies. All simple things Lorraine brought up. All right, we got a couple great guests coming up in the next few uh, episodes. I know you're gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna spoil it, to, but I'm telling you, I got three or four people on deck. You're really gonna like. I'm hoping to get the rain back in a little while. Do part B. Maybe they were in part C. So B, part B for bullying. Get it? Part A could have been something else. B would have been bullying. C could have been conflict. <laughs> so we did part C first, conflict. Then we'll do part B, bullying. We're gonna do part A, whatever that is. Is there an A here? I'm, I'll leave you to think of that. Interactable starts with an I. I don't know if we'll get to I, but uh, <laughs> that is it. So yeah, I'm going to sign off here. Listen, last thing, seriously, listeners, I really feel, honestly, the more people that get this information, the better. So I really humbly ask you, please share this. Do you have other people that could use this information? Send a link, ask them to listen to the podcast, try to support this, subscribe, and try to get the word out here. We are all about helping parents to help their kids, helping entrepreneurs to help their issues. And this is why I bring guests like the rain in. So we will see you next time. Everybody have a great day. Let's get the outgoing theme. I forgot the theme music on the way in. I didn't play the theme music. There it is. There's the theme music. I know you thought of it and missed it. Our happy music. <laughs> all right. See you all next time. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.